0: A quick note about this podcast, information is provided for educational purposes only and is not intended to include or constitute financial product advice. You should obtain independent advice from an Australian Financial Services licensee before making any investment decisions. Please refer to ASX's full disclaimer with respect to this podcast on the section of the ASX website titled The Ideas Exchange by ASX.
1: Welcome to the September edition of ASX's Market Activity Podcast. My name is Graham O'Brien. Joining me again is Jacinta King, our resident investment products expert at ASX. Now, we can't start this month's market wrap, I don't think, without explaining. It's still you, Jacinta, isn't it? Uh, But you're now saying sounds a little bit more regal to me.
0: <laughs> That's right, Graham. I do have two surnames, King and Schlosser. And King is more regal. So yeah, I do like the sound of it and it's easier for people to say and remember. So King it is.
1: Excellent. August has been a massive month, hasn't it, to to center? We've just come out of significant amount of company reports, haven't we? I don't think I've, uh, I've, I've seen anything like it in the Australian market anyway. We've had a whole host of reports coming into the ASX. Just for your awareness, we processed over 14,000 announcements in August, with 4,000 of those being price sensitive. So 4,000 companies had a halt or pause to their trading whilst people had the time to absorb that information. And it was all because it was annual reporting season. All the companies that are listed on the stock exchange, well, they had to report by yesterday their annual earnings for FY23. I know Jacinta, yourself and me will cover those a lot lot more detail and we'll probably have a look at some of the key movers and shakers from reporting season when we look at the winners and losers for the month. But August was certainly a roller coaster light ride for investors. Really was, wasn't it Jacinta?
0: Oh, it sure was, Graham. We saw 14 trading days in August where the market was up and then nine where the market was down. But as is the case with the old market saying that the market goes up by the escalator or stairs and down by elevator, we finished the month down. Actually, at 1.4%, closing at 7,305 points. So, Graham, what was behind the market moves in August?
1: Uh well, just into it was really a combination of some good company reports uh, beating market expectations versus, unfortunately, some poor results that missed expectations. But outside of these company reports, there's still this. Uh, air hanging over the global market. It's kind of this risk that's underlying the market out in the world of future economic growth. Just yesterday, I attended the EQ Derivative Conference here in Sydney, where we had a whole host of different market commentators talking to super funds about what they think is going to be happening in the short time in markets. And really, these market commentators amongst them couldn't pick whether global markets were going to have a soft or hard landing when it comes to inflation. There was really no consensus and really their expectation is that the wild ride that we've seen in August so far will continue into the new future. And I guess we need buyers and sellers in markets, but uh, there's obviously some nervousness around hard and soft falling when it comes to inflation. Some of the biggest moves that we saw during August were as a result of key data points coming out of whether it be the US, China, or even Europe, whether it be poorer than expected jobs data or as we know, China's biggest property developer, effectively imploding. Uh, the market took a big hit mid-month, falling 160 points just in two days. But then, hey, it rallied back late in the month. So it wasn't all that bad when the numbers started to look a little bit better. I know it was very different when it come to the sectors themselves. So just into what did you kind of see in the sectors during August?
0: Well, in August 8, out of the 11 sectors finished down, so a bit more than usual, I think. So we've got consumer staples down 4%, resources down 2.6%, materials down 2.2%, energy down 2%, telco down 1.9%, financials were down 1.6%, small odds down 1.6%, healthcare down 1%. But the three positive sectors were technology up 0.6%, ARE up and consumer discretionary up 4.6%. So, Graham, what about some of the individual stocks that we could highlight
1: here? Yeah, definitely. And we'll touch on some of those company reports as we're talking about them, but how about that consumer discretionary sector up 4.6%. We're talking about soft and hard landings. Obviously, there's a bit of growth built into some of those uh, discretionary uh, sectors when it comes to our spending anyway. But of, of the companies, and we always look at the top 300 companies, Ordinate, was the best performer in August. It was up 49% after more than doubling its earnings in FY23. Deep Yellow was up 37%. Red 5 was up 36%. It also boosted earnings, and for them, their earnings were up 150%, which helped that share price. Baby Bunting was up 32%, and Aussie Broadband was up 30%. For them, they jumped 44%. But there were, as we mentioned at the beginning, some companies that did report poorly over the period. Miso Blast was down 55% after revenues fell almost 30%. Abacus Property Group was also down 55%. Chalice Mining was down 40%. And Iris, the market technology provider, was down 38% with their earnings down 17%. But they also suspended their interim dividend payout, which uh, we know for those income investors, uh, we like to get those dividends. So that really hurt their share price. And finally, we Bit Nano was down 36% in August. How about over to investment products, Jacinta? Can you give us a rundown of the July that was for investment products?
0: Yes. So in July, the total assets under management of all ASX investment products, it actually increased from $399.2 billion to $410.24 Exchange traded products were up 2.6% from $145.93 billion to $149.71 billion. M funds were down 8.4%. From 1.6 billion to 1.47 billion. Licks and lits were up 3%, from 48.52 billion to 49.9 billion. A REITs were up 3.7%, from 138.7 billion to 143.84 billion. And infrastructure funds were also up 1.2%, from 64.47 billion to 65.22 billion. And for the month of July, we saw strong exchange-traded product flows of $3.78 billion, so continuing flows into that area there. And ETP asset class breakdown by percent to July, actually there's no change from last month, Graham. So Australian equities are still sitting at 27%. Global equities are still at 48% with fixed income at 12% and other 13%. We welcomed one new ASX investment product in July, the Global X Bloomberg Commodity ETF Synthetic. With ASX ticker BCOM, BCOM. It was an, admitted on 5th of July. And Graham, I think that takes us to about. 300 products, ETP products there on on the ASX this last month, and I think that the Global X Bloomberg Commodity ETF is timely given the chatter in markets about a return to investing in commodities, with the focus on clean energy transition and the need for rare earths. Yeah,
1: that, that's amazing. 300 products. That's definitely showing the growth of investors of having these style of assets that might give them diversification in one trade, but then access to markets that can often be a little bit difficult. I know gold's always been the commodity that. Uh, that everyone almost falls in love with. It's almost like another currency. And especially when we we're talking about those hard and soft falls in inflation, gold's a key component that people are still looking at. But there's still these uh, little dirty things that people dig out of the ground, whether it be oil and the like. And uh, well, for the, our forever need of uh, batteries in our phones and uh, batteries to store uh, electricity that we might be getting from our solar panels. You, you mentioned commodities and the idea of rare earths. It's definitely a space when we're starting to think about clean energy needs commodities. For that area to work, doesn't it?
0: Mm, it does, and that's what I'm seeing when I um, read some articles in that area or listening to some of the portfolio managers speak on, on who cover that area. So it's a space to watch, I think.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, I think it's great to see some of the product issuers definitely starting to give us access. Like I, I, I wouldn't know how to get rare earths into into my pocket. I would definitely much prefer to have it in a portfolio uh, via an ETF than uh, than holding on to that stuff uh, rather than uh, just sitting in my phone. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Good point. Yeah
1: we're out and about i know in september i think you and i are over in over in adelaide and perth we're doing some small client events so keep an eye out on the asx website around them but we've got our big events to plan for november don't we
0: we do. We do have a lot coming up. I love this time of year. It is a lot of work to get through, but it's fun at the same time. As you say, we're off to Perth and Adelaide. We love getting in front of investors. So then that leads into our November period for Investor Day, and more more on that uh, soon on our next update. I say. I say, Graham.
1: Yeah, definitely. Hope everyone has some fun investing and some profitable investing throughout September. And I know we'll be back in very early. October to do our wrap for uh, for September. Thanks again.
0: Thank you. Visit the ASX website ASX.com.au and register for the ASX Small and Mid Cap event, providing investors with a
1: unique opportunity to hear from emerging leaders.